Going Linux, episode 437, Listener Feedback. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you are new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in going Linux. We hope that you find this and all our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. If you want to send us feedback, you can email us at goinglinux at gmail.com, or you can send us a voicemail at one nine zero four four six eight seven eight eight nine. In today's episode, listener feedback. Hey, Bill, how are you today? Hey, Larry, I'm good. <laughs> it's it's Sunday when we're recording this, and and weather report. It's cold. Other than that, um, it's been a crazy past week. So, how's yes. your week been? A bit crazy too, but. Everything's going well, so I can't complain about anything except the weather, and I'm not going to complain about the weather because nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I will say it's it's cold, and uh, I'm ready for spring. So Yeah, any day would be fine. So I, I wanted to share something with you real quick. The uh, So I've been doing research for one of our upcoming episodes, and I was uh, just kind of Poor Larry has to listen to me uh, rant and rave sometimes when I'm trying to find out information for one of our episodes. And um, I was telling him, I said, well, I, I had a little free time, so I was just going to you know, work on researching this. And about three hours later, I realized that <laughs> I had went down the rabbit hole way, way, way deep. So it's like, yep. I got to stop. <laughs> it's time I appreciate to all the effort you're putting into this. That's yeah, let's, let's, let's get, it's time to go to bed. It's three o'clock in the morning. Oh which, my goodness. Yeah, so it's like, it wasn't three when I started, but you know, one little article led to another. So, yeah, it's, uh, I think you, this one's going to be, this one's on privacy. Uh, and, uh, so I was like, wow, this can go deep. <laughs> and I just went down every rabbit hole. It's like, oh, let's go look at this video, which turned into 15 videos later, that darn <laughs> YouTube algorithm. Yep, uh, yep. But anyway. Now you're going to be seeing security videos pop up in your feed forever. <laughs> Talk about privacy. <laughs> oh, joy. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, old joy. I, mean, uh, I realized I had gone way too deep when my eyes started glazing over, and I'm like, I don't even know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh. <laughs> well, maybe we should leave that for the episode on privacy. We yeah, we might have to break that then. one up. <laughs> or yeah. everybody else. Maybe so. so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, shall we get started with our feedback? Yeah, let's get started. Okay. Our first feedback is from Alpine John, and he didn't email it in, and he didn't uh, he didn't phone it in. He uh, provided some feedback on the Ubuntu Mate forums, where I hang out from time to time. He said, hello, Mr. Bushy. I do listen to your podcast. Thank you for the AUG feed. So many podcasts are MP3 only now. 
uh, and your podcast is both informative and relaxing. Thank you to both you and Mr. Smith. Uh, my suggestion, Ubuntu Mate documentation, including your book, which I will not buy from Amazon as I only buy DRM free EPUB formatted ebooks could include a section advanced topics, which could include a section piehole adjust Ubuntu Mate's DNS settings for piehole or something similar. I found the wording on the network configuration GUI to be valueless for a networking beginner such as myself. And he provides a link that we'll include in the show notes. Uh, how can you change DNS servers on Ubuntu Mate 22.04? Best wishes from another continent. Well, thank you, Alpine John. I don't know whether your name is really John or not, but we'll call you John. Thank you, John. Okay, so the piehole I've I've heard of it. Is is that the one that's uh, uh, like a a firewall? Uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure because I haven't delved into it. I haven't looked into it yet. It is something that I think we should consider for yeah. an upcoming episode. But from the description that Alpine John gives us, I think it's a way to. Uh, set DNS settings specifically for a Raspberry Pi, but this should work for anything. And if it's specific to Ubuntu, okay. If it's specific to Ubuntu Mate, okay. But I think it's probably more general. Um, and we'll find out more as I dig into it, and we can uh, cover it in an upcoming episode. Okay. So our next uh Listener feedback come from Carlos, and he recommends Bitwarden. Hi, Larry and Bill. After a big data breach of LastPass, I thought you would like this article by the great Stephen Vaughn Nichols recommending the open source alternative Bitwarden, and he provides a link to the article. I use my own GPG encrypted A ASCII 2 file as I describe in my Linux instructions page, which he also provides a link and will leave in the show notes for anybody who's interested. Happy New Year, Carlos. Well, thanks, Carlos. As uh, yeah. I actually do use Bitwarden, I actually give them their $10 a year, and I uh, you can use it for free, but uh, with the uh, subscription... I'm not that I'm shilling for them, <laughs> and they're not a sponsor or anything because we don't have sponsors. But right. uh, I highly recommend uh, Bitwarden because I have so many passwords for my job and home. Larry, I can remember one long, complex password, but I cannot remember 15 of them. <laughs> so, so I, yeah. I I use it to store all kinds of information from um, my driver's license to um, uh, numbers to very you know just uh, passwords or, or information that I need, and I always know it's stored in uh, in Bitwarden. Uh, I had to use that uh, not too long ago when I filed my taxes. So, you know, because they make you assign a PIN and they keep trying to use that all the time. And LastPass was great. I used to use LastPass as well and have switched to Bitwarden too. And 
Yeah, for all the security uh, breach issues, uh, but also to make sure that I'm using um, open source software wherever possible. And since LastPass was not, and we find out what happens when, you know, <laughs> you rely on something that's commercial and b- proprietary and, you know, not protected well enough. And so I've been using the free version of Bitwarden uh, since well before that last breach, and it works really well. It's cross-platform. It is um, very secure, and it gives you a lot of flexibility, even in the free version. But, of course, if you want to spend the additional money like like Bill does just to get the additional features, that's great. That'll work. Yeah. So <laughs> It's less than a dollar a month. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. It's certainly less than... Uh, Streaming video subscriptions. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Okay. Well, thanks, Carlos. Bitwarden's great. Okay. uh, Our next email is from Carl, who provides definitions for Minion and Gremlin. And if you don't know why Carl is providing those definitions, go back a couple of episodes and listen (laughs) to our descriptions of Minions and and, uh, Gremlins. And this is the, I guess, official definition. So Minion, noun, uh, a favorite, a darling, one who or that which is beloved, a sense now obsolete. From old French, Mignon, a favorite, darling, uh, sorry for the mispronunciation of the French word. As an adjective, dainty, pleasing, favorite, uh, and going on and on and on. The French word is of uncertain origin, perhaps from Celtic. Compare Old Irish min, tender or soft, or from Old High German, minja or minya, minna, uh, love, memory. Um, okay. So, and that was from the 1500s. And then in the next, uh, couple of centuries, it says it was used without disparaging overtones, but also from 1500 as a favorite of a sovereign prince, especially an intriguing favorite, a low or servile dependent. It also was used from 16th century for a pert or saucy girl. Okay. I'm not sure any of those uh, (laughs) definitions apply to our listeners, but anyway, uh, the definition of a gremlin, small imaginary creature blamed for mechanical failures, oral use in Royal Air Force aviator slang from Malta, the Middle East, and India is said to date to 1923, first printed using perhaps a poem in the journal Aeroplane certainly used by 1941 and popularized in World War II and picked up by the Americans, for example, New York Times Magazine, April 11th, 1943. Of unknown origin, OED says, probably formed by analog with Goblin. Uh, And it goes on and on. Um, It's also surfer slang for young surfer beach troublemaker is from 1961 short form Grammy by 1962. So Carl continues and says, the question that has plagued me over the years is, can Minion be a Gremlin, but a Gremlin be a Minion? I think that Gremlins are too independent to be Minions, so I would love to have Minions, 
but not gremlins. Peace. Okay, Carl. Um, thanks for the official definitions. Uh, and the question still remains, can minions be gremlins and gremlins be minions? We may never know the answer. And some of us may never care. So, <laughs> moving on. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> was that too much information? That was too much information. I'm glad you didn't have me read that because I was like, I, I'm just going glassy eyed over that. Thanks for that, Carl. Okay. Moving on. George from Tulsa <laughs> wrote with an update on his LG Graham, Graham running Linux Mint. Greetings, Bill and Larry. I may have been the only listener who has had an enjoyable uh, chortle. Uh, chortle means laugh for anybody that doesn't know. As Larry turned the Amazon advertised green color of my silver LG Graham into environmental humor. Thanks for that moment. Speaking of the Graham, one other topic that received an important mention in episode 435 is the variability of the components in computers. My first effort at Linux failed completely because the system I was trying to convert from Win95 was filled with unsupported parts. Turns out there's a difference in LG Gram components. Many users report that they are fully Linux compatible out of the box. Mine, however, as do many, has the Realtek ALC256 audio chipset. Strangely, the head phone jack, USB-C output, and according to internet reports, the HDMI outputs work, but the internal speakers don't. I hadn't even noticed until I installed the Pigeon IM uh, application and wasn't receiving audible alerts. It's a known problem, and I even found a fix posted online, and he provides the links in the Linux Mint forums. The fix seems rather complicated, and the problem one I would expect updated kernels to solve. In the meantime, it it seems simpler and less potentially harmful to plug in an external speaker. Then I thought, what if I upgraded the Linux kernel to the new 6 Plus series, which is supposed to bring other benefits including better energy management and thus improved uh, battery life. And he provides a link to that uh, topic, and we'll leave it in the show notes. It's easy, and once done in Mint, and probably other Ubuntu derivatives, the Update Manager allows interactive selection of which boot kernels. And since this was such a long one, I'm going to let you take this last part, Larry. Okay. So, George continued, heads up, absolutely do not experiment with the kernel versions on your working daily driver. <laughs> Wise words. Sadly, move. <laughs> yeah, okay. What? Sadly, moving from the 5.15 kernel to 6 did not get my speakers working. Last effort today was creating a live USB of Ubuntu 22.10, which drops the old Pulse Audio for newer and more capable Pipewire. Something went wrong there as 22.10 booted with a crash warning. After re-downloading and building another live USB on a brand new thumb drive, it still booted with a crash warning. So I gave up and returned to the version of Mint 21.1 installed 
on the internal drive. To hear the startup and system sounds through the Grams speakers, I even tried a YouTube rendition of Green Grow the Rushes O. And we'll include a link to that in the show notes too. Uh, who knows? Maybe it will work tomorrow. Oh, okay, George. Thank you. <laughs> and I spent way too long listening to that Green Girl of the Rushes O rendition. It was it was good. I am yeah. not clicking that because I've had enough YouTube <laughs> for a while. Okay, my, okay, I'll fair be twenty five uh, videos down in that thing. So anyway. Uh, thanks, George. <laughs> so our next email comes from Liam, who wrote about Synology. Hey guys, I have a Synology DS218 running RAID 1 with BTRFS. I'm wondering if you can help me. I reinstalled Ubuntu for the second time. That's another problem for later. <laughs> and when I tried to log into Synology over browser, it wouldn't let me in. So I locked out so I'm locked out with no way to retrieve my data. I've tried mounting both disks and following the Ubuntu method to dig into the disk, but no luck. The last home remedy is to push the reset button and maybe risk losing the data. The reset should allow me to create another admin and login, but it sounds like data could be lost. There's a company nearby that can retrieve it, but it could cost up to $700, which I, I'd i have to sell a kidney for. Any suggestions? Love you guys and love the podcast. Thanks, Liam. Okay, Liam. Uh, so, Synology is a network-attached storage, which essentially is a hard drive that you connect to through your home network, assuming you're using it from home. So, Liam, here's here's a situation you may or may not have thought of. And, and it's a situation that I have uh, discovered fairly recently when I moved into this new house. It has a wired connection uh, throughout the house, wired internet. And my internet service provider provided a router that I connected to the wired internet so that it distributed throughout the house. But then I had this wise idea of connecting all my wireless devices through a different router. So I connected the Orbi router to the Internet Service Provider's router. So all my computers, when they're running on wireless, go through the Orbi. So we've got two levels of routers back to back. So what I found was when I'm hardwired connected, I can uh, connect quite nicely to the network attached storage that I have which is hardwired connected as well. But when I'm wireless, I couldn't connect. And I scratched my head for a little bit. And then I realized, okay, so all my wired connection are on one part of the network and all my wireless are on another part of the network and they're isolated from one another. And that's why when I'm using computers that are connected wirelessly, they can't connect to anything that's on the wired part of the network. So did a little bit of rewiring so that the hardwired connections in the house go through that Orbi connection as well. Uh, everything works just fine now. So assuming that you didn't, you're, you're not in a situation where the Synology was working just fine before and then all of, all of a sudden it stopped working, um, you might want to think about this. Uh, because if you did any 
rewiring or reconnection, or you've got a wired and a wireless connection, that could be it. Or there are other ways to isolate one part of your network from another. So think about, have you made any changes to your network? And is your Synology suddenly you know, isolated from the computers that you're trying to use to access them? Hopefully that made sense. Uh, a diagram would be a little bit easier to, to visualize, I'm sure. But uh, hopefully that audio description of my network can help you if that's what you're finding is your problem, Liam. Yeah, good luck with that. Let us know if you if that's not it and you've figured out how to do it. But hopefully you have another set of backups. Yeah, if it is a problem with the Synology. Um, yeah, if you've got backups, great. If you don't, you may end up having to fork out that $700. Ouch. Um, and, you know, is with the Synology, is there a USB port that you could connect directly? Uh, I don't think you mentioned that. Uh, that might be, rather than try to connect over the network, try connecting directly. And if you can make a connection there, uh, maybe it's time to grab a, a, a large storage device and use that as a backup uh, just in case. Uh, and then maybe reformat the Synology and see if that works. Yeah, uh, just another idea is um, maybe go to if the Synology has any forums or help pages and see if that might uh, shed some light on the problem. Yep, exactly. Well, like Bill said, let us know how it goes, Liam. Let us know how you solved it or didn't solve it and whether you're $700 poorer. Yeah. Okay, and that's our feedback for today, Bill. All right. Okay, so our next episode will be the next part of our series on getting started with Linux. And with any luck, it will be at least a first part of privacy. Yes. Let's see if that goes. Anyway, until then, you can continue to uh, listen to our podcast back episodes. You can go to our website at goinglinux.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe to our podcast. We provide the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. And if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux podcast community on community.goinglinux.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. 73. music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.